previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. But, uh, Ricky, do you feel, like, nice being needed? <laughs> You're always As needed, right? Oh, that's interesting. Like, do I get, like, a kick out of it? That's kind of a weird thing, I guess. Not in, like, a kinky way, but... What kind of show uh, is this? You are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite Podcast, the storytelling show about all inmates. If you're a small crime for temporary, the Sick Invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? Oh, uh, me? Yes. I was excited. I went away from the microphone for a second. Uh, Brian, I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm on steroids, as I have mentioned. Uh, so I got the hot, cold, hot, colds, hot, colds. What about cold, hot? No, no, no. Start always starts hot. I, I start out you hot. You always start hot. I always said that. About <laughs> Coming in hot. Quickly moves to cold. Uh, so I get I get real hot and then uh, I sweat and then I get cold from the sweat. Uh-huh. So then I have a cold sweat. Right. And then I get hot again. And then you have a hot and then you're hot with a cold sweat and then you're cold with a hot sweat. And then I shower. And then I get out of the shower, and then I got a little chill, but then I get hot from the steam. So then I got to shower again. Are you taking double showers? We can't <laughs> afford double showers. <laughs> we don't have enough Patreons for you to be taking double showers. <laughs> You're out of control. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. This show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Do you like our show? Please tell everyone about it. Follow us, like us, and share our content at the Sick Invite Podcast. We also have some merchandise available, including our hoodies, mugs, shirts, stickers, and buttons. We are now on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get early access to our episodes and other uh, into things where we talk about you know, movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Patreon.com. And you get a sticker every month. Sticker every month, that's right. Please send us your story through our website. There's a form to fill out at the bottom of the page, and we will contact you with further instructions. So Klaus was uh, writes in, and he says that we did a great job with the last episode. He was a big fan. Um, but he had a question. He says he wants to buy a new microphone, right? But he wants to buy it for himself. I don't think I've ever heard him speak. Well, I know, but that's why he wants to get a microphone, so he can interject his comments so he can do his own comments instead of sending in his feedback he can talk about maybe send in a, a voice recording he doesn't have any he's an audio guy with no microphone you know what i mean you can only it's a very strange thing but he just works with what he has you know he's an editor not hmm. a con- not a contributor all right you but we don't want to have him his voice on the program I mean, he could buy whatever he wants, but I'm not buying wait, it. Uh, wait, you're saying he has to buy airtime on the show? No, buy his own uh, mic. What if he pays for his own ad? Would you allow him to do that? Yeah. Right. And what are our prices for ads? For, for Or maybe we should talk about that offline. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, we have Allie Evans. So, Allie, what's wrong with you? My name's Allie, and I have type 1 diabetes, celiac disease, and medically induced anxiety and depression. So a nice handful of food related issues. (laughs) So when did this all start for you? So my diabetes was diagnosed officially when I was five, um, right after my fifth birthday. Um, And then my celiac, I was diagnosed when I was almost 10 Um, And then my anxiety and depression, I've always had, 
but it wasn't officially diagnosed until my senior year of my bachelor's college time. Wow. So how did they figure this out at five years old? Like, what are the signs that people usually figure these things out for? So actually my mom, she caught everything. Um, My mom's dad, so my grandfather, he was also a type 1 diabetic. And growing up, she took care of him. Um, So I started wetting the bed at five years old. Um, I would wake up in the middle of the night, multiple times a night, to use the bathroom. Um, I was really thirsty, really tired all the time. Uh, And just, like, my moods would kind of go up and down. I never really gained any weight. Like, I was always just skin and bones. Like, if someone pushed me over, like, I would probably break a bone. I was so thin. Um, So one night, uh, growing up, my parents had a bathroom in their room. And when all this was happening, they said... I could use their bathroom in the middle of the night. Uh, So one night I was in there and my mom realized I was taking like a really long time. So she opened the door and I was like trying to shove all of the faucet water into my mouth as quickly as possible. And I was like choking on the water. I was trying to get it in my mouth so fast. Um, So from that moment, she like kind of knew something weird was going on. Um, But then from that moment, she's like, I need to take this kid to the doctor. So she took me to my regular pediatrician. And then um, they did blood work or they sent me for blood work. And then um, North Shore Hospital called me like after dinner one night. And they were like, is this the Evans residence? And my mom was like, yeah. And they're like, does Alexandra live there? My mom's like, yes. And they're like, she needs to be in the hospital now how soon can you get here? We're going to have people at the ER doors waiting for her. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So my mom, you know, went into mom mode. She, um, she took my like pillow and she took like, just like stuff that I needed, I guess. Um, And we drove there and I was like, mom, like what's going on? You know, a five-year-old doesn't really get like something's ill. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's like, oh, we're just, we have to go to the doctor really quick. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't really want to go right now. Um, She's So she was, you know, just talking to me the whole time. But, like, she was so calm the whole time. So I really just, I commend her. Um, And then, yeah, I I went to the doctor. They started, well, like, the hospital. And they started checking me out. And I was admitted, um, like, that night. I think, like, they didn't even bother just, like, keeping me in the ER. I think they took me right up to, like, pediatrics. Um, And they just started, like, telling my mom all of this stuff. And I was just, like, sitting there. Um, And all I really remember was, (laughs) like, getting shots. Like, that's all I remember. And they would prick my finger. And no kid likes it. But, like, you kind of get that you're in the hospital. So, like, they have to do stuff to you. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was there for like five days, I think. And my blood sugar was like unreadable. It was so high, but they wanted to guesstimate. It was in like the 700s, I think. And a typical blood sugar is 70. So oh. it was like really high. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Re- rewind just a little bit because okay. I, know, I know what diabetes is, mm-hmm. but I don't actually know what happens if you don't control it. 
So what, what was happening to you that you had to be hospitalized? So there's four kinds of diabetes. Um, most people just assume diabetes with like people who are, um, what like fat quote unquote or obese, like those people that we see that are like physically unhealthy. Um, but type one is your beta cells in your pancreas, your immune system just attacks it and completely shuts it off. So, um, your pancreas is a hormone producing like function. Um, and it produces insulin and glycogen. So insulin and glycogen like work together when you eat, but if there's no insulin, your glycogen is just working. So your blood sugar just goes crazy high. So insulin is what kind of keeps it balanced and like at a normal range. And then if your blood sugar goes too high, because in my brain, I'm like, why is that bad? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Does your body just shut down from it? So um, immediate things of high blood sugar are um, (laughs) what I call as like someone who needs an attitude adjustment. Um, (laughs) Like being hangry? Not always hangry, but just like mean, like mean, bad attitude, uh, sweating, excessive thirst, constant urination, like stuff like that. So like your body's in like overdrive at that point. High would be like you're jacked up kind of. Yeah. Like you have all this energy, but like you're tired, but like you have energy. Hmm. Sounds like me on steroids. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's a confusing state for your body to be in. It's very detrimental for your health also because, like, long-term effects, you could kill yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I it, it kind of all ties in, but, like, if you don't take care of your high blood sugars, it'll eventually affect your eyes, affect your brain, affect um, your entire gastro system, your stomach, your liver, your kidneys, um, your pancreas. Your whole body, pretty much. Yeah. Your feet, your circulation, your heart, every, literally every aspect. Well, that's the thing I hear about most of diabetes is people will lose, like, appendages, so, like, their foot or their hands or something along those lines. Yeah. So I guess that's all a circulation issue. Yeah, and a lot of diabetics, um, we lose feeling in our extremities. So um, we're always told to keep things on our feet because you could look at your hands. Like, you'll know when you're bleeding out of your hand. Right. But if, if you scrape the bottom of your foot, sometimes you don't feel it, so you won't know. Um, so, like, if you don't know, and then, you know, the bleeding will eventually stop, but you could get gangrene really easily as a diabetic, and then that's what kind of makes you lose your limb. Mm-hmm. So in terms of your, um, I know you were mentioning that you were so young and you didn't really know what was going on. How did you know that co- phone call that you got from the hospital at your house? where they said you have to come to the hospital immediately. Were you aware that that phone call had happened at the time, or were you? did somebody tell you that it happened later on? I knew it happened. Um, my family's, like, super have dinner at the table every night, and then we all clean up together after. Right. Um, and at that point, we only had a house phone, and it was in the right. kitchen. Uh, <laughs> so it was, like, weird that the phone would ring at, like, 7 o'clock at night. And I'm the youngest, so I'm, like, attached to my mom's hip. So I was, like, (laughs) standing there. I was, like, what's going on? (laughs) So you overheard them say that? I didn't hear them say it, but I'm very connected with my mom still to this day. 
So seeing her face kind of just like go like white as a ghost. Right. I was like, huh, <laughs> that doesn't look good. <laughs> but when did she tell you that that's what they said? She didn't um, until I was like old enough to understand. She just kind of said, you're sick, so you have to go to the hospital. And right, then I right. would be like, I'm not like I feel fine. I'm not sick. You know. Oh, OK, that's what I was interested in. Cause I was curious if they turned to you as a five year old and they were like, you are going to like like how much of an importance did you understand at five? Like, did you uh, did you have any sort of understanding of the severity at the time? Um, I think going to the hospital, I thought it was just going to be like how, you know, people think you just go to the hospital, the hospital fixes you, you go home. Right. Uh, um, but once I got discharged from the hospital and my mom went to give me like my first injection when we were home and I was like, well, like, I don't I'm not sick anymore. I don't want to do that. Like, those were my exact words. And my mom, like, <laughs> oh, just broke down. Yeah. My mom broke down. She was like, I'm so sorry, but, like, this is what you have to do now. Wow. So I kind of just was like, okay. Yeah. So. Well, it was probably, you probably felt fine because it was probably gradual, right? So mm. when you started to regulate, did you notice a difference in how you were feeling? Um, Not as a kid. As a kid, I which is like my fault. I managed my <laughs> diabetes very poorly. Um, so my blood sugars were like a constant up and down. Um, but now that I'm older and, you know, I like really take care of myself, I feel when my blood sugar is like at the slightest bit high. So I can't like ever let my blood sugar go high. <laughs> What are the signs? Like, is it an internal feeling that you can't describe or is there something that's very specific that you can tell about your blood sugar when it's high? Um, so everyone's different. For me, it's going to sound so weird because I've never heard another diabetic say this, but my jaw, it gets so tight. It kind of feels like a struggle to open my mouth. Um, and then I get like this really weird pain in my head, but not a headache. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean... That makes sense. Your body's just like do, figuring it out. <laughs> so everyone responds differently. So I, I get that. Well, but you're saying you never heard another diabetic say, say that. So are you, are there kind of t things like general things that everyone kind of gets that are similar with that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the sweating, the bad attitude, the urination, um, drinking water, like that's like the common stuff. That's what people say to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting to me the 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 bad attitude as like a actual symptom <laughs> or, or you know isn't that weird like it's like a mood is how, what's the science behind that do you know like why that is is it just general uncomfortability I mean that would make sense you're just uncomfortable it would make sense but then the opposite like a low blood sugar picture the drunkest human being you've ever seen in your whole life that's a low blood sugar yeah yeah I've seen videos of like people driving with low blood sugar and them getting pulled over thinking that they're drunk um but they need to be hospitalized because it's so low yeah right now at this time um i know you mentioned that your grandpa um had diabetes did you know anybody else because i remember like when we were like middle school age nick jonas was just diagnosed <laughs> with diabetes so there was always commercials um on disney channel of him explaining it and like i he said the thirst and the peeing um so I, I remember that, and that was all that I knew about diabetes at the time. Did, is, 
did you have other people or was Nick Jonas like your only person as well? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I still like don't know anyone to this day, really. Like I know of people who have diabetes, um, but like I don't have like a diabetic like friend that like I text. I'm like, oh, what's your blood sugar today? Like, (laughs) right. right. Um. So like I immediately felt like left out because diabetes is a full time job. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's a lot, Uh, especially for a kid who's trying to grow up and be normal. Like whatever normal is, um, it's like a lot to handle. So elementary school, I was like constantly like feeling alone middle school I was like really really bullied really bad and then feeling alone because my diabetes and I think that was like the time you know hormones are like happening Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so it was just like a middle school was the absolute worst time for me I try to forget those years (laughs) um but recently I I've tried to like be better and I, I joined support groups so I talked to the people in support groups that's great because uh, I, w- I was going to say, you're definitely not the only one with type 1 diabetes. No. I feel like there's it's a huge population of people that have it. So there's got to be people that we know who just listen to this every day that are probably, you're probably going to get a message <laughs> after That's your episode fine. goes saying, hey, I have it too. Um, well, but, can I ask you before you get off that? I have some, yes. uh, uh, this is maybe a silly question here. No, what about okay. when you talk about the support groups, is there a differentiation in the attitudes between someone who has type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes or something like that? Like is, is your support group specifically for one type? Because I'm assuming you have different str- – even though it's the same umbrella, there's probably different struggles or different things you have to do for each one. Am I off base on that or is that – no, you're totally right. So um, I'm part of type 1 diabetes groups. Mm-hmm. Um, type 2 is very different to type 1. Um, so type 2, I mean, it's an older population most of the time too. So like a lot of teenagers and, you know, young adults who are type 1 are more type 1, you know. And right. type 2 was like um, typically people like in their late 30s, 40s and beyond. Um, and it's a totally different regimen and like daily life kind of thing. Right, right. So I always hear like my dad is big on this of like, oh, like his doctor is always telling him like you are pre-diabetic. You're mm-hmm. going to eventually be get diabetes. But it seems like there's cases like yours, which you just are born with and you have. And then there's situations where you can develop it. Is that, Plus is that true? I think that's, is that the difference between the types? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So type two is, um, it's very prominent in today's older generations and I hate to say it, mm-hmm. um, but you know, people who, who drink regularly, not socially, um, you know, not great food that they're eating. They don't really exercise. They kind of just live like not the greatest lifestyles. They're most likely going to end up with type two. It's completely reversible and it is preventable and all of that it's just it could happen (laughs) yeah that makes sense because my dad's oh he's been pre-diabetic forever but he eats really well Mm -hmm. um but I I always that that makes a lot more sense now that you're saying that and like I never knew the difference between type 1 and type 2 but I definitely see more of a chronically ill person like you rather than a lifestyle change with other people I think there's certainly a difference 
Is yeah. this is it like um it seems almost unfair to have them standing next to each other even though they're kind of similar things but they're the cause of it quote unquote or the development of it seems to be one conditioned by lifestyle completely like reversible as you were saying and then one that's a chronic illness truly right, right. so that yeah. does seem to be a little bit unfair to put them next to each other like that so much so where someone may not even know the difference do you ever have trouble with that in terms of people like kill or i who don't know know what one is but not the other so like there's kind of like a, a stereotype as to oh you have diabetes so that means maybe you don't take good care of yourself or something like that yes uh like when people i i have um i have hardware as i like to call it um for my diabetes um some diabetics you know choose other routes but i have hardware so people immediately see the stuff that i have and um you know we live in the United States, so people feel free to ask anything. Uh, <laughs> oh, and they sure. come up to me, and they're like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's for my diabetes. And they're like, oh, my God, you're not fat. Why are you a diabetic? And I'm like, right, right. not how it works at <laughs> right, all. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, That's yeah. interesting that they make them the same just because, I guess, in the, in the end, they're the same thing in terms of what's doing to your body. But it's very unfair, I suppose, to have them just just differentiated by number. I mean... It's very interesting, I think, that because that, that, all it could do is cause confusion in, in, in that way. Yeah, it, it definitely does cause a world of confusion. And I feel like every type one, like if you're not famous for it, they're just going to assume like diabetes is diabetes. Yeah. Um, well, can but, I ask a yeah. can I ask a question? Because I, I and you don't have to answer this if this is a, a silly question. But do you ever feel any sort of like is in the community of, of type one? Is there any sort of resentment or uh, jealousy to a type two, or, or is there any sort of like friction between those two <laughs> types of things? The only time I uh, am envious of a type two is when someone was like, oh, yeah, I had, like, type 2 diabetes, but I'm fine now. Right. Because it's reversible. So if you take, you know, better care of yourself, you take medications, whatever that doctor prescribes, and it works for them, and, like, it was reversed, that is the only time I'm envious. Well, that's kind of what I mean, is, like, in terms of, like, in ter- that kind of resentment where it's, like, we have the same thing, but it's 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 so di- – the biggest difference, you know? Yeah. So it, yeah. I'm not – I don't resent them, though, because – like I didn't, I didn't choose to have diabetes, and I'm not saying people, you know, disclaimer. If you have type two, <laughs> you didn't choose to have it. Right. Um, but like, it's just I, they can reverse it, and like it's kind of a build up. Like it takes a lot to be diagnosed with type two. Like you said, Kaylee, your dad's had it, you know, forever. Yeah, and like pre-diabetes. There's certainly absolutely struggles with with all types of, of diabetes i guess absolutely uh, i think yeah. it's really just a, like a, a branding issue it's like the fact that they put these two types of of indiv- uh, individuals in the same uh boat it seems it seems unreasonable yeah they're definitely different but it, it, yeah i don't want to uh, we're not dismissing type 2 diabetes. not at all <laughs> not at all but it should yes. be separate things it shouldn't be like you're you're talking about the same thing it should be different names of different things it feels like to me well, sometimes I'll, like. Um, like, there's plenty of names for diabetes, um, especially type 1. So sometimes, like, if I'm in a bad mood, <laughs> which I hate to say, <laughs> but I'll just, like, throw the person off because there's type 1, type 1 diabetes, type 1 diabetes mellitus, juvenile diabetes, like, all these 
right, different right. names for one thing. So people are like, oh my God, juvenile diabetes. Like, you're not a kid. Why do you still have it? <laughs> like, and it just oh, goes off to uh, a tangent. Oh, that's interesting. Is that's, I just thought juvenile diabetes was a child that has diabetes. It's a different thing. It's type 1 diabetes. <laughs> it's just you are you were diagnosed as a juvenile. But now, you know, you, you kind of have to be diagnosed as a juvenile for type 1. Um, and they use juvenile very lightly. Like, you could get it in your 20s. But it's mm-hmm. not common for people older than their 20s to get diagnosed with type 1. So that's an indicator of the time of diagnosis, not... Correct. Not your status as an individual. Mm-hmm. I see. That's interesting. This conversation is very enlightening because I've been tested for diabetes several times. And every time I'm like, why? Um, but I'm going to guess there's some sort of autoimmune factor to it. And that's why... Diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Okay. That makes more sense why they. that's in the realm mm-hmm. of things that they look at me for. Um, that's why we have no immune system at all. <laughs> isn't it fun? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I, if Ricky was... We were talking about autoimmune the other day because I'm, I had to delay my infusion, so I'm not as suppressed as I usually am, but my body's overworking, so it's like <laughs> I'm at less risk, but it's causing more damage, and yeah. it's a very confusing state for your body to be in. So do you have other autoimmune symptoms that people might not know about diabetes? Yeah, so celiac disease is actually an autoimmune disease, and um, what I was told from my doctors was my celiac was developed as my second autoimmune disease because of my diabetes. Um, and I mean, when I sent you, you know, my story uh, mm-hmm. on social media, I listed like all these other things that have been happening that my doctors want me to get checked out for that are also autoimmune diseases, but. I'm pushing it off right now just because I've been seeing uh, a different kind of doctor um, and it's been helping. So, and my blood work is very like borderline out of range. So lifestyle choices. Yeah. <laughs> I've been making So what do you see for diabetes? Is that an endocrinologist? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I also see a nutritionist and a gastroenterologist. Okay. So are you managing largely with diet um, or like, do you, is it, do you need insulin daily? Like how, like you talked about your hardware. Let's, let's go back into that <laughs> a little bit. There it is. <laughs> I, I actually have several hardwares. Looks um, like a PDA. It, you don't have like an updated looking version. <laughs> this, this is actually the unupdated one. They came out with one that looks kind of like a cell phone, um, but I call it my beeper. Um, and yeah, it looks cool. like an old, like Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is Bluetooth connected to a pod, um, on me and I have to have it on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I'll show you, I'll send you a picture of my pod okay. it's under my sweater. <laughs> no um, need to undress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, so that's on me all the time and that's what delivers my insulin and I have a whole big math problem inserted into this that tells me how much insulin I should be having for what I'm eating. Um, and then I also have this, which I just expired um, right before we jumped on. So it's fine that I have this off for a little while. <laughs> but this monitors my blood sugar. So it's like another piece of hardware. It stays on my skin and 
Um, this is the transmitter and this is the receiver. And this will tell me um, what my blood sugar is 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And so does that prick you or does it just like no. tell from your skin? It So this, um, it goes in with a needle and at the very end of the needle is like a little fiber that is constantly reading my blood sugar. So it's instead of pricking my finger. Interesting. It's called so you a sensor. have like a chip almost in you? Yeah. That's kind of cool. It's annoying. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> would I choose to have one? No, but the, it still sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. The only reason it's annoying is because it's taped and it's like medical adhesive tape. Yeah. And I'm Italian, so I have hairy arms, so it like pulls <laughs> out my arm hair. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is that just as we were preparing to do this interview today, you were exclaiming how you were not that good at technology and how you, you have trouble <laughs> working all this tech stuff. But you just held up several pieces of hardware that Phil <laughs> and I looked at flabbergasted. So what was the learning curve to, to figure out how to do I mean, this is a high stakes operation. I mean, how, what was the learning curve to learning how to use this stuff and how stressful was it or was this kind of a you know what what was the process did you have to go to a class what, what happened there so you do go through a training um so you know you tell your endocrinologist uh that you want to be on a pump there are over like 10 different pumps i think on the market i've gone through my fair share of different types of pumps um the one that i'm currently on is called the omnipod and it's the only pump on the market that is tubeless so I liked that one. I'm an active person. I felt like it best suited my needs. And that's the only reason I chose it. All pumps are the same, in all honesty. They give you your insulin. <laughs> that's like all that matters. Right. Um, but yeah, you go through. So you order it through your endocrinologist. It gets sent to your house in like this huge box. Got to bring your box back to the endocrinologist. And then a diabetes educator. They train you. And then also in that box is a DVD. So... When you go back home, if you feel like you need more help, you watch the DVD and it walks you through everything step by step. So the instructor is from the endocrinologist or it's from the company that makes the machinery? So usually the it's it's kind of like how insurances tell you what doctor to go to. Your insurance will also tell you what kind of pump you're they're willing to pay for. Right. So the diabetes educator will decide, you know, wherever they want to work and just whatever that office handles, they'll make sure that they're educated on that pump. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So were you like, how stressful was this for you as someone who maybe struggles with technology? Did you have to study or did you like, how did this, or is it not that difficult? Um, it wasn't bad. It, okay. It, I went on, I'm the kind of person that I, I, I just love change. I'm a creature of change. I am always going back from syringe in a vial to pump and back and forth all the time. Um, so I've gone through a whole bunch of different pumps, but once you kind of just pick up your rhythm, it's the same thing, whether mm -hmm. you're on uh, a pen and insulin and like vial insulin or a pump. So, so it's just preference really. Yeah. Um, I don't covered. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. That's really it these days. Whatever's covered by your insurance. I'm just not the kind of person that wants to stab themselves 10 times a day with a needle. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that being difficult. Now, what's interesting is that there's a huge population of people that have type one diabetes, but this hardware looks so outdated and so complicated. Like 
where's the research? Why haven't they narrowed it down to one little thing through an app on your phone yet? Um, so, like I said, my, my Omnipod Bluetooth thing, it's, it's outdated. <laughs> the new one looks very similar to this, uh, which is good, but all like, like Medtronic is probably, I know that's, you know, foreign language to a lot of people, but my diabetics out there, they'll know. They, um, that's like the high tech kind of pump and it is like fancy, um, so it's just, it's really, I mean, I wanted to be on a different pump, but this is what my insurance covers. And then I, you know, found out I loved it. So it is what it is. But my, um, my little device that keeps track of my blood sugars that I have on my watch. Um, so if my blood sugar goes out of range at any time, I get an alert on my watch cause I don't really check my phone too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get the alert on here and then I'll know to, you know, fix it. And I also get the alert on my phone. So I have three things that will go off if my blood sugar is somehow out of range. So as bulky as all of the objects are, you're, you know, yes, <laughs> it does. It does the job. It does. That's so that when with insurance coverage, cause like the, you, when you talk about like, they'll pay for what they think is worth it for you. Um, same thing happens all the time with uh, Crohn's patients and it's called step therapy where they make you try this cheaper option first. Is there ever cases where you could be like, this one doesn't work for me. I need the more expensive one. Or are they like you were saying, they're all kind of the same, but could you like work your way up to the fancy one? If you had to like write some special notes insurance wise, <laughs> would that work? Um, I don't know. I've really never tried that. Um, Diabetes is a very convoluted corporation and it kills me. Not like not physically, but like just my heart, it like mm-hmm. kills me. Yeah. Um I mean the cost of insulin alone. We could have a whole political debate about that. I did my entire master's degree on insulin and diabetes. Well, tell us about it. <laughs> yes, please. Actually, I mean this yes. is great. I mean Read us Come your thesis. Now. <laughs> Now's your chance. Let's educate the listeners. So, uh, but truly, I don't think a lot of people realize how political insulin is. Yeah, well, I mean, insulin only came out a little over 100 years ago. Um, I believe 1912, don't quote me, but I think that was it. Um, so before then, I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen a photo circulating around. Um, before then, like kids were the ones that were diagnosed with diabetes um, and they would be just sent away to die at like these places and the places would just starve you in hopes that your blood sugar would stay like low but that's you know not how it works so your blood sugar would still be elevated so they'd be starving you and your body would eventually just die because you're not getting any nutrition or any insulin so you know how are you going to function um but The inventors, I think there were five of them, the inventors of insulin, they made it because it was just, you know, it's terrible. Like most diseases out there, it's just terrible that this happens sometimes for a lot of people. Um, And they sold it so that it was available for everyone. And it was only $1 for an entire vial. And a vial lasts, most people, about 30 days. So a dollar for a 30-day supply is unheard of. 
Um, but now there's only three, I want to say, um, three well, manufacturers. Hold on, is that a dollar in 1912 money or a dollar in today's money? They wanted it to always just be one dollar. They didn't care. Forever. Like, yeah, just a dollar because they had to charge like some sort of money for it. So they just said one dollar, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's three manufacturers of insulin um, and they just keep raising the prices because you can't live without it and there's no generic type of insulin you cannot get a generic type of insulin there's like it's not a thing um so, so one vi- so insulin is the i guess it would be like so like ibuprofen is like ad like it's it, that's the name of it but it's also the only thing like it's the name brand but it's also the actual thing i guess it's the same or no there's a name brand they have different name brands of insulin or would this be like we're selling you estrogen um i i'm not sure there's like different names of insulin but it's all insulin but then there's like depending on what kind of insulin you take there's long acting and short acting oh okay 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 i I think i got you yeah so now the the typical cost of one vial of insulin um which i think is a thousand units no that can't be right I, I don't know how many units, don't quote me. Um, but for one vial, it's between 180 and $480 for one vial. And, you know, we try to we try to use as little insulin as possible, but sometimes you have to use more than one vial per month. Um, so that's why insurance really helps a lot of people out. Yeah, it's not like you can skip a dose. No. Well, is insulin limited resource in the world or it's just nope. simply price gouging? It's just price gouging. Um, oh there's gosh. a huge, huge debate um, on all these, you know, corporations and all these foundations. And a lot of them are really in it for um, not great reasons. I right. really, I only support just because of the research I've done and um, what I believe in. I only support Nick Jonas's foundation. I don't like the, you know, name brand ones that everyone knows of i don't really Mm -hmm. support them they're not in it for reasons that i support so sure yeah well i saw nick jonas recently didn't he promoted some sort of a hardware as you call it (laughs) um didn't they give away like a ton 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 of stuff for people who are uninsured and can't i don't know if you can give away insulin (laughs) i'm gonna assume the fda is involved in that but um, yeah they helped out in some way um, so we'll definitely share Nick Jonas's foundation. Do you ever like, do they have fundraisers and walks or stuff like that? Or is that really just the big, no, they, uh, they definitely have walks. It's called walk for a cure. I think, um, I never really did them cause I was <laughs> in sports. So I just, you know, never had time. Um, but I like, if there's something sign me up for it now. Cause I, I just, I like work and I come home, so <laughs> I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> um but yeah I mean there's like Nick Jonas's foundation what you're talking about um no they didn't give away insulin just because like you said they can't (laughs) um but they're passing laws in lots of states that a monthly cost for insulin can't go over 25 dollars wow yeah it's because so many people have died from rationing insulin Mm -hmm. right right and you know it's terrible and at that point you're not dying because you have diabetes you're dying because you're poor correct 
that shouldn't be the case for anybody. It happens yeah. with a lot of diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, people relying on GoFundMe right. to live. Um, but I, and I think that when we were talking about the stigma of type 2 diabetes, people go like, oh, why can't they just manage it? Can't they just like feed your child better and then they won't need this insulin? But that's not how this works. Right. Type 2 is typically, um, they, they start you off on uh, oral medication or, like, pills. Um, they'll start you off on that, and then if you need insulin, you know, depending on how you are as a person, they'll also give you insulin, but it's not the same as um, type 1 insulin. Um, you mentioned that, if you don't feel comfortable about this, we don't have to, but you mentioned you did some educational uh, research on things involving diabetes and insulin. Is that something that you found to be um, interesting going into it or and that's what pulled you into that? Or was that something that kind of it just pushed you due to, you know, what you had gone through or something like that? Was was that something, a background that you had already been interested in or was having it kind of is what led you down the road? Or can you even tell? It's hard to tell probably. Uh, well, for the master's program that I was in, uh, we had to take policy classes. And I really never thought as of policy. I've... Um, I'm, like, not good at public speaking, so I kind of just associated the two. <laughs> right. But it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that now that I've learned. Um, so for my, you know, my policy classes, we had to do a full program length, how we would change a certain policy. And that's just what I changed. So, right. well, changed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, you say changed in quotations, but you are a part of the change by voicing it and telling your experience and donating to Nick Jonas's foundation that that's part of it too and every foundation um that you can find they all have some sort of lobbying um department where that is what they're going for it fair changes a lot of them unfortunately with these healthcare laws um but I think that telling your story is a major part of that so thank you on behalf of all sick people. Oh, of um, course. <laughs> but I'm looking at my notes now, um, and mm-hmm. I abbreviated something. Okay. <laughs> um, I think maybe you abbreviated it, but I don't know what this means. Um, but in the severity of complications that come with type 1 b- diabetes, I have on here uh, DKA. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, that's, that is the road to the white light. That is terrible. Um I was officially diagnosed with DKA once. Um, If you have poorly managed diabetes, it's going to happen often. Um, You can feel when you're in DKA as a diabetic. What is DKA? So DKA stands for diabetic ketoacidosis. Oh, I've heard scary commercials about that. Yeah. Now that you say it. Oh, my God. It is the worst thing. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. But, like, it is the worst thing. (laughs) We said no F-bombs. You're allowed to say that. That's okay. All right. You can can blaspheme on this. Um, So, basically, what happens is your blood sugar is so high so quickly, your body kind of goes into fight-or-flight mode. Um, And since you don't produce any insulin, nothing's really happening, but your body's in overdrive. Um, so with me personally, when I was in DKA, um, an old pump company that I used, I just had a malfunctioning set that one time. Um, and I didn't know. So I ate this 
huge pasta dinner and for anyone who knows carbs pasta is like the most amount of carbs um and I took my insulin so I thought um and then a few hours later I was like I felt a high blood sugar and I checked it and it was very high so I was like what is happening took more insulin drank more water still happened um so I was like you know what let me just go to bed whatever happens I'll be fine in the morning And I woke up and I actually thought I was dying. Um, Not to be dramatic, but I really thought I did. I thought I was just going to like fall on the floor and just like die. Um, So my symptoms were uh, it felt as if there was acid as blood. Like if you had vinegar in your like where your blood would be, that's kind of what it felt like. Um, I thought my head was going to just like pop off from pressure. Um, very uneasy stomach. I was throwing up uncontrollably. Um, and then I was just dry heaving and I couldn't stop. Like it was very uncontrollable. Um, and I'm not, I've never thrown up in my life. Like that was something totally new to me. Um, so I, you know, I, I got my mom, she took me to the hospital and, uh, she didn't, you know, I've never done that before, like had that before happened to me so she was like you know is it is it menstrual cramps like are you getting your period and I was like no like it is there is something happening she's like okay let's go we went I almost collapsed walking through the hospital because they didn't I don't think they really realized at the local hospital um how severe it was because it's not really a diabetes hospital Um, so they made me walk all throughout the hospital and they're like, okay, like you're fine now. Um, and my blood sugar was so high and they said that my organs were like on their way out. Like it was not great. Um, so I was, luckily I was there for two days. I was in the, the NICU cause I was 17. (laughs) Not NICU, sorry, PICU. (laughs) Not NICU, not, not a newborn. (laughs) Um, so I was there for two days. They thought I was going to be there a lot longer, but my body recovered really quick and they sent me on my way. Um, but before I left, you know, a lot of girls my age at that time that were like going through this kind of stuff were like recurrent offenders, they said. Um, and I was involved like in everything. Every time they would come in, I'd be like, okay, what's happening? Like, what are you giving me? Like, how's everything going? How much insulin am I getting? What's my blood sugar? Like all of that. Um, and they asked me as I was leaving, if I would, you know, want to help younger people. And I was, you know, I thought about it at that time I was in college. I was like, I don't know. Like, what do I, I don't really know anything, <laughs> but now like, I think about that at least daily, like, how can I help someone who just got diagnosed or is just struggling like with something um so that's why you probably see me post like diabetes stuff on my social media constantly Mm -hmm. I just like I want to make everyone aware (laughs) yeah now do you are like when they said do you want to help people are there programs where you could go do that like a buddy diabetes program (laughs) uh I really don't I don't know um that was like a major thing for me um, growing up. Like I felt, you know, so alone, like who's going to help me? And my yeah. mom always told me like, why don't you go online and talk to people? I was like, no, like I don't like I don't want that at all. Um, but that, you know, that's kind of what led me to my field. Like I never found really anyone to talk to. So that's like my goal one day to be that person for 
you know, my younger self if I Mm -hmm. ever encounter that person. But yeah. Well, you're doing a great job so far. Yeah, you do, you're doing a great job with us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I Thank certainly you. I know. It. And I, I know we have um, some listeners who are caregivers for people with diabetes, um, newly diagnosed as well. Um, so I know that they'll find comfort in hearing your story that it's can be manageable uh, mm-hmm. once you learn it. But it is so individual from what you've been saying. But um, So how are you feeling now? <laughs> you've had uh, quite a bit that you said today, but you... <laughs> You seem okay. You seem happy. I, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing well. Every day is a new adventure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You just got to stay on top of your symptoms. I think that goes for anyone, even, you know, who's fighting like a common cold. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, this is my last question um, for you, that you are on a current journey, uh, which makes more sense now that we've talked about autoimmune issues. And I've said it on previous episodes that when you have one autoimmune disease, you're probably going to get another. It just kind of happens. Um, so you might have something else going on as well. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm seeing a um, functional medicine doctor. Um, so for those of you who don't know what functional medicine is, um, they study every part of your body, even if you're only having an issue with one thing. Um, and they try to figure out a more natural way to heal you. And if that doesn't work, then they will prescribe you medication. Um, so I've been having symptoms related to rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and lupus runs in my family, kind of. So um, that's always like a thought too. Um, but my blood work, it's it's elevated, but it's not like at that point where it's high. So they just keep an eye on it right now. Um, but I still, uh, I'm still told to go see a rheumatologist. I just haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the rheumatologist works in the same way of examining your body as a whole, which is needed in a lot of these cases. And I tell people to see a rheumatologist all the time because <laughs> they, they, even if they, if you don't have an autoimmune issue, they could probably refer you in the right direction by looking at you as a whole body and an individual body. Um, because sometimes the specialists are a little too specialized. Yeah. That's, Which that's, uh, isn't always a bad thing, but sometimes when you're trying to figure it out, it's most di- Yeah, that's most <laughs> diabetes doctors. They, uh, I found, the ones that I've chosen to go to over my lifetime, um, a lot of them just go by the book. So if you tell them things that really aren't in the book, they don't think it's related to your diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, it could be. Yeah. So I mean, there's plenty of things undiscovered. It's not always textbook. I think rarely things are textbook. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we covered a lot of ground today. I learned a whole lot about diabetes. What about you, Ricky? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that doesn't seem like it's easy to talk about. You know, there's a lot of personal stuff that you spoke about, so it's really appreciative to... to talked about it with us we really do appreciate it um and i think it's a great uh step forward in, in, in what you were saying and kind of being a person who someone could look to as a uh, a way to live with uh diabetes and i think it was a great story yeah thank you thank you for having me sick invite Yay! <laughs>